Hello and welcome to I'm Not Doing Risk Without Alcohol. My name is Denise Ferguson from Fine Surveyors and today I'm here with Joanna. Hi Joanna, how are you? Hi Denise, um, I'm good thank you, I think. <laughs> so what's your business called and what do you do? Okay, I am Joanna Cates, the saucy author. So I write romance fiction aimed or based around characters that are in their midlife years. Um, yeah, so I've, I've published um, two books now. Uh, one of them's being launched at the end of September. And that's it. They're easy reads and a little bit saucy. What made you get into this? I think not being able to go on holiday and journaling. <laughs> <laughs> two things. Lockdown. Um, I started off at the beginning of lockdown with uh, journaling and studying the moon cycles and everything like that. Uh, I'm, I'm an accountant by trade, so I really need to sort of, and I've got four kids, so I really need to sort of go away on these holidays. And uh, bit by bit, I was journaling over the months and started bringing a lot of stuff to the surface that you bury. And then um, one of my ways of escapism, I've got four kids, I've got a lovely husband, very busy life. And I really, I like going on my girls' holidays or my holidays with my husband or the family. And uh, I really couldn't sort of unwind from everyday life. So I, I don't know what actually brought it to mind, but I was journaling and I thought, you know what, I'm going to write that book that I wanted to write. And originally it was going to be based around me, but uh, it was one of these books that were going to just be passed on to the kids and the grandchildren. And, you know, here's your mum. This is what she got up to. But I realised that that A wasn't probably interesting and the interesting stuff I didn't want them to read about anyway. So uh, look, uh, mummy writes saucy material. Here you well, go. Luckily, because I am writing this, um, they won't read it. So, which is quite good because it constantly embarrasses my son. And my my twins have only just turned 18. So I've said, nope, you're not allowed to read it. Um, yeah, so I, I started putting pen to paper and um I actually at that precise moment that I decided to write a book, I went big and said it's gonna be a trilogy. And I mapped out all the characters in my mind and had how they were going to all link in. So from July to Christmas, I was pretty much talking to my friends, my family, everyone about Love is Crystal Clear. And then the minute it actually went out for um, to be published, I got COVID. So it was like, mm, here's my book. There you go. Um, and then we were in lockdown, so I couldn't pub uh, promote it or anything. Um, so that was that. And then I realised I'd actually have to go and do some marketing and put myself out there. And that's the hard bit for me, or that was the hard bit for me, um, reaching out to networking groups and just sort of stepping up and saying, oh, hello, my name's Joanna. I've written a book. Um, it didn't actually, it wasn't as raunchy as I thought it was going to be, because in my mind it was definitely going to be like a Fifty Shades part. And there are some... <laughs> There are some, well, there's some sort of like um, toe-curling chapters. But, you know, it's predominantly a love story and all about friendships. And, yeah, it's, it's just a nice read, I think, with a little bit of sauciness thrown in. So why the sauciness? Like, what made you think it definitely needs to have a bit of this in it? 
because I couldn't see myself doing anything without it in it because I've, yeah. got, I've got a bit of a saucy mind <laughs> so my friend accused me once of always thinking about sex so and not that I do you know because I was going through the menopause so it was like no thank you <laughs> um but having read the book and spoke to my husband about things then things are back on track with that as well so <laughs> that's all good <laughs> I love it yes yeah, yeah. so funny but as an and so let's do the juxtaposition of the accountant versus the saucy author that must be incredible because are you are you like accountants are seen as very dry very um uh very literal very you know um controlled type of people are you that type of person when it comes to your accountancy side but you have the kind of saucy side or have you always been more of a wild person I think I was never actually meant to be an accountant. Um, I went to the girls' grammar, a local girls' grammar to myself. And when it got to sort of choosing our next step from leaving, like the, going into sick form or um, going off to college or something, I went to the careers advisor and said, I want to work for Teletext. I want to design all the graphics that uh, sort of come up on the screen when you want to book your holidays. You know, back in the day when... There wasn't the internet and that's the way you used to book your holiday um, unless you went to the travel agency and my my school was very straight laced and very much like um, they taught latin and all clever subjects um, and I sort of fudged my way through this my education I was uh, you know my party life was more important than my learning but anyway so I stayed on for a while and then got a job one day I walked into school and said I need to leave I've got social life to sort of pay for so I really need to sort of leave school (laughs) it's getting in the way (laughs) so um, I left and I became an office junior and it turns out I was ending up supporting the the bookkeeper all the time because I just had a flair for numbers and um, so that's where I, I never qualified as an accountant I married a chartered accountant Um, who I met at the pub not through work or anything but um, I just literally built up this whole career uh, based around accountancy but I've always wanted to do something more creative and I suppose when I had the I had four children quite close together in my um, early 30s I had my son followed by my daughter followed by twins so it was pretty much condensed and I started photography at night school and that was going to be my creative outlet and that that went on for quite a few years and I I set up a photography club and everything but I kept on wanting to run away from home I kept on wanting to escape like my four walls and the home life that we've got because I really missed my own identity I really missed being or I didn't actually probably know who I wanted to be then I just wanted to sort of relive my 20s in my 40s. Um, You know, the kids were getting older. I carried on going out dancing with my friends and things. And my husband, he's he's my rock and best friend, but he's quite sort of even playing field. He, he, I mean, he's got a cheeky sense of humour, but he is more of a typical accountant. Um, And it wasn't until I started writing that I really sort of fell into my own identity and become who I am and who I want to be moving forward which is the saucy author 
So why the dive into a trilogy rather than, you know, dip your toe in the water? What made you go from like zero to a thousand? I had too many thoughts in my mind that I needed to sort of weave into a story. And I'm not an author that will sit down and actually plot it from start to beginning. I'll have like these characters that I bring in as I'm writing. And I just knew that it had the makings of a, a trilogy because it's based in um, a village or a town or a small town, which is a fictitious town, but, you know, it's quite close to where I live. And I had these characters that had could be extended to, into another book. So with A Balancing Kind of Love, um, you meet Kirsty, who's the main character in book one. And she is at a crossroads in her life. She's just in her early 40s. She's single. She's always worked in a male-dominated business, used her sex as power, um, never committed to a relationship, and then suddenly hit a brick wall and thought, that's not enough. You know, where's my family? Where's my other half? Why doesn't anyone ever want to marry me? Um, Do I want children? So she takes herself away on a six-month sabbatical and that's where her story picks up. But I knew in book one, book three, you were going to meet the character, which is Isabel Cartwright, who's the the star of book three. So um, it just had to be a trilogy. And if anything, it might end up being like, it might end up being like the... um, the South Tallinn Tales or something, which is the town. Because <laughs> I've got other characters now. I'm thinking, oh, you know, I can bring that character in in a stand- standalone book. So, yeah. So how did, I don't know anything about um, publishing. So did you have the idea and take it to a publicist and then write it? Or did you write it and then take it to a publicist? Or are you self-publishing? Pub- yes, self-publishing. I, I did a lot of research. And I know it's really hard for a first time author to actually get picked up by a publisher or traditional publisher. And I thought, you know what, I I went to, they're, they're sometimes called vanity publishers who will help you publish your book and get it out to all the pa- platforms, help you with the cover designer and things like that. And it sounded really good. And I thought, oh, this sounds good. Because, you know, they one of the publishers that I approached um, had actually... Um, one of their authors had gone on to sort of create a movie. She, I can't remember now exactly what it was. But then when I looked through the package, I realised that the thing that they wouldn't be providing me was a full edit of the book. And bearing in mind, I haven't written a book before and my grammar's a bit rusty. That's To me, that was a really important thing for me to read, uh, get an editor really involved to sort of work their magic on it. And then I'd be happy and confident to self-publish myself. So that's what I did. Found a lovely lady called Harmony Kent. And she sort of gently guided me through book one. And then I went on to um, Kindle Direct Publishing. And again, it's all step by step. If you're prepared to research into it, what you need to be doing, you can do it yourself. So, um, and the second time round, it's easier because you know what pitfalls to avoid and uh, or shortcuts to take and things. So I'm getting quite experienced as being a self-publisher. Yeah. So you've published the second book now, yes? 
that's out, but I'm not releasing it because I'm throwing a book launch party. Oh, so I missed exciting. out on the first one. Yes. So that's on the 23rd of um, September uh, oh, in, in my local club where I frequented quite a lot over the last few years. So it may feature in the book <laughs> or the books, <laughs> but I might have changed the name. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm throwing a book launch party on the 23rd of September and then people can pre-order the paperback and then it will go out onto the general public at the end of September. So do you uh, physically then like post them all out yourself? Well, first time round, I didn't because it was all done through Amazon. Yeah. Um, but this time round, I've taken pre-orders and I'll actually post the orders myself. Yeah. So that must feel quite I'm really busy. <laughs> well, it must it must feel quite rewarding though because you can you're physically seeing like your hard work going to people. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think the first time round, I was just keen to sort of reach out to friends and family to say oh what do you think of it is it good and then when you start getting positive feedback it's like whoa you know um and then when the, the strangers start coming in with feedback say how much they enjoy it and you know give it reviews and everything it that's when you walk around all day smiling um I mean the first time I gave it out to for my friend to read when she phoned me up to give me her I mean, it was only the first few chapters and when she phoned me up to say what she thought of it I was a bag of nerves I was yeah. literally I was hoovering I was biting my nails and I don't bite my nails and I was walking around and as soon as she told me what she thought of it I burst into tears and I'm not a crier <laughs> I'm allergic to crying so um oh the, the emotional pressure that you get put on with people with their feedback and their reaction um and, but this time around I think it's worse for that side of things because it is so much of your you know you as a person like you've literally I know it's characters and I know it's fiction but you've literally spilled everything onto these pages so yes. but for somebody to love it is emotional and for someone to hate it is emotional so regardless yes. of how, how anyone responds it's gonna be emotional because it's come from within you. It's not like you, it's not like a textbook where you've been taught some economics and you do a test. No. And it's, you know, it, this is everything that's come out of your, your body and your imagination. So I don't think any response is ever not gonna be emotional. No, I mean, it's not gonna be everyone's cup of tea. You're quite right. I mean, it's not a clever book. It's not like, um, it's not gonna go out there with Jane Austen or anything like that. But the, I hope to, I got a lot more out of it with book one because what it mentioned quite a lot throughout was like the menopause and women's low self-esteem that they go through when they're going through the menopause. And I think because I was going, or I am going through that own, my own journey myself, and I did pour it onto the paper, I didn't expect to get those sort of reactions with people saying, oh, I really resonated with it, you know, um, this happened to me in my life. My husband left me and this and that. And they were like, right, I got a lovely letter from a lady saying, you know, she's going to pick herself up now and go back on the dating scene. Um, That's amazing. But the, I mean, the one subject I must mention it is the fact that I talk about crystal wands all the way through book one. Now, Henry actually starts researching into um, crystals and she comes across a wand. And her first, and it was 
explicitly explaining what the purpose of it was for. And her first reaction was, where do the batteries go? <laughs> and <laughs> I must admit, that was that was straight out of my mind, you see, because I, when I was researching into crystals, this crystal one flagged up on the page, and my first reaction was, where do the batteries go? <laughs> but uh, I did have um, an author, we book swapped, I read his book, which was science fiction, and he read my book. And um, I don't think he reads romance fiction as such. <laughs> and uh, he did say that I, I spoke about it all the way through, but didn't actually put it into action. <laughs> so that's in book two. <laughs> and pretzel dips. <laughs> So book one is foreplay and book two is the intercourse. So <laughs> book three. Yeah, I suppose that's the fag at the end. Fag <laughs> at the end and the shower. Yeah. Awesome. So what do you think you're going to do after book three? Do you think there's more in you? Is being an oh, author definitely. kind of your new career now? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I know I briefly touch on the subject that I'm actually doing something more creative as well to free up my time so I can write more but you know I I this is my happy ever after story I think because I look into the future and instead of sort of wandering aimlessly around the world with my camera with the kids back at home with my husband playing golf I'm more like we'll be wherever I can be and all together but I'll be you know poodling off to do a few chapters and you know still exploring the world so um and I love it you know all the time I've got it in me to write uh, it's just time at the moment that's my only enemy so I'm working on that to free up more time because let's face it if I've written two books in a year and wow. that's with balancing home life and working I know we had the lockdown, so, you know, that took some of the, gave me some time back. If I can do that, what can I do if I free up more time? So, and it's all about midlife characters. So uh, that apparently isn't that common for no. a romance story. Well, no, because we're not expected to still have a sex life or all, regardless of sex, we're not still, we're not expected to be romantic either. We're, we're no. expected to be, you know, not wanting sex and bored and looking after the children or grandchildren and frumpy and all of those things. We're not supposed to be, you know, sexual beings who have desires and fantasies and all of those things. No, no. I mean, I sort of almost say that you become invisible because when you're sort of mum or wife or whatever, you you do become invisible because we're quite strong characters that sort of march through life and do what we have to do to look after everybody. And then suddenly you sort of look at your life and you think that I'm still me, you know, where have I gone over the years? And I, you know, I was at a crossroads. I wouldn't say I fell out of love with my husband, but there was one point I was thinking, would the grass be greener on the other side? You know, would it be more exciting? Um, and then I realised it wasn't our marriage that was at fault. It was because I wasn't happy in me, you know. So once I addressed that all in my journaling and writing and got it out there, you know, things are brilliant between us now because he can see how happy I am. And that sort of has a knock on effect throughout the whole of the family. 
and I'm, yeah, not, in, I'm not invisible anymore <laughs> <laughs> well no you're not but um never a true word spoken when people say that we we um we're two halves that make a whole that's the worst kind of relationship you can ever have you have to be two holes that that are together if one of you aren't happy and not satisfied it makes such an unhappy relationship yeah. it's so important for you both to be doing things that you love I definitely know that from my um, relationship during the lockdown my husband he's a property developer and all they closed all of the um, planning departments in the UK. So all of his projects just kind of stopped. And that would be fine for most people just sit around for a little while. He's an outdoor cat. Like that boy cannot stay in the house. He's a golfer and everything like that. So a couple of weeks, he was like, yeah, this is okay. After like three weeks, it was like, get out of this house. Like he's just not one to be sitting around at all that friction was not a happy now he's out of the house every day it's just so much easier to have that kind of relationship because if one of you aren't happy that other person can't cheer you up you need to both have that thing that you love in order to be able to be satisfied together this is it and I think being able to talk to each other as well and that's what I found really sort of helpful that it get it, I I was too frightened to talk to my husband what I was going through and how my feelings and you know how I was sort of withdrawing from the bedroom department and things just because of the fact that I didn't want to scare him I didn't want him to think that I was going off him but I didn't have it in me to sort of say I'm not that person that you know pre-menopause I'm not that person that you married um you know I'm changing my body's changing how I feel is changing and because one of my characters in book one she goes through a very similar journey and in fact she's probably the character I relate to the most in the book one um I I was able to sit him down and talk to him and be really frank with him and saying look this is going on um this is what we need to do and rather than him sort of pushing me away and saying oh don't be silly it was like yep whatever whatever you need to do whatever we need to do we'll do it so you know I've been walking around like a Cheshire cat ever since (laughs) Uh, the power of words (laughs) I love that so much. So how does he see it? Like in, I mean, I know he's happy that you're happy and everything like that, but it must be quite a thing to take on, not like a traditional author, like, oh, my wife, you know, she, she, she's now become an author. My wife, she's now become a saucy, saucy author, must be a whole different kettle of fish. How does he manage it? He gets teased. He does get teased by his friends because they say, oh, is the character, is it about you and Joe and everything? And quite often, I, if I'm there, I just come back with something like, of course it is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just call him Big Dean. <laughs> Which page? <laughs> yeah, But uh, he hasn't read it. He won't read it. And I think, but I do tell him the storyline. I don't tell him the storylines of the juicy bits. But I do think he he respects my like my little bubble my author bubble um and lets me get on with it but I mean he used to work in London and he still does work in London so commuting every day for the last 20 odd years has been quite a strain on his time and because now he's set up working from home he's loving it I mean he's he's now the um the chef 
he helps with the kids you know he's a lot more hands-on now but and still working so I know he doesn't sort of like resent or moan about me going into the office and like writing away or he gets to watch lots more sports on tv so he's happy (laughs) I know know my husband every time like I'm doing these sorts of things late at night and he'll be like oh you know what time are you going to be finished and then I'll come downstairs and golf will be on and I'll be like oh bloody hell and he's like you've been working so I'm like oh fine yeah yeah I totally get that so if anyone wants to buy your books where can they buy them um, Love is Crystal Clear is available on Amazon. It's either in um, it's ebook and paperback. And A Balancing Kind of Love, you can find out more details on Facebook on Joanna Cates, author. And there's a link to buy the paperback version now. Um, and then that'll be on sale to general release at the end of the month. So that'll awesome. be going on. We'll Amazon. put the links. We'll put the links on the video and we'll put the links on the podcast as well. So anyone can buy them direct from there. So that'd be great too. Perfect. So Thank you. we come into the end of the podcast and I end all of my podcasts with the eight mile moment. So I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. Everybody knows that. But I love Eminem and I love the eight mile. And he does all of his rap battles by saying the worst things about him. He's skinny, is white, his mum lives in a trailer. So that his opponent can't say anything bad back to him. So Joanna, what are the worst things about you? I'm a, uh, I'm a control freak, um, and that's not good at times. I've been known to cut off my nose to spite my face. Um, I think that's about it, really. Do you need eight? No, absolutely no. not. No, I think I, I can be too sensitive, I think. Oh, that yeah. doesn't help. Yeah, that's not a very good trait to be too sensitive. You know, I think um, it's not a good trait for you as opposed no, to other people because I no, think I, it t- puts yeah. too much strain on you personally. Yes, definitely. I I can overthink things. At one time, somebody said that that was, um, oh, you're an overthinker. And I overthought it and thought, well, what are they trying to say? <laughs> and then realised, actually. At that point, I overthought it. Yeah, I did overthink it. But then I think to be an author, you need to overthink. So that's a good thing now. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you more. When you're thinking now, do you think that's that'd be good for the for the plot? Oh. That'd be good all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I've already got it in my mind. What book? In fact, I'm doing a raffle on the night of the book launch, and the first prize is going to be for um, whoever wins the raffle is going to be in book three as one of the main characters, not the main character, but you know they can have their name and they can describe what they want to be in it and I'm going to write that into the book wow <laughs> you use the same um but proofreader for yes. all of the books now yeah is yes. that kind of, yeah because you've yeah. got that relationship now definitely definitely yeah, yeah. so I love that she'll have me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. as long as I haven't driven her completely mad yeah yes <laughs> this is it Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Joanna. No, thank you for inviting me. I've I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Anytime. And as always, if anyone else wants to be on the podcast or you want to sponsor a podcast, you can contact us at podcast at find-surveyors.co.uk. Say goodbye, Joanna. Bye. Bye.